Take your Bible this morning, if you would. Turn to that passage Phil read this morning in Philippians chapter 2. I started out in the ministry in 1983 as a pastor for 11 years, seven years in South Dakota, four years in Washington State, and in 1994 started traveling. Over those years, I've learned a lot. If there were things I could go back and do over again, I would. Because you learn something later that would have been helpful then. A lot of things. I went back to my first church and said, they took this young man on and, and his young family and, and uh, they let me be their pastor and they supported us and just were really encouraging to us. Just a wonderful church. I had to go back to them and say, thank you for putting up with this young man. <laughs> I've learned a lot since and uh, some of them, somebody came up to me, one of the guys years, years ago, I went back and spoke there and they said, you know, you, you're, you're such, such a good preacher now. Not that you weren't when you were here, but you've learned a little bit and I appreciated that and, and you do want to grow, don't you? We all want to grow in our relationship with God and understanding of how God works and what he's doing and how he puts things together. And, and by God's grace, we do. And I'm thankful for that. And so one of the things that we sometimes focus on is the actual changes that we want to see in our life. I want to see this gone. I want to see this put in. I want to be more like this. When really... Those things are not the most important focus of our life. Our life needs to be focused on Jesus Christ. That's the focus of the believer. What is God doing in my life? What do you want, Lord? Always talking with him. That's where that phrase that I use all the time, you and me, God, let's go. It's because this is a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is God who knows how to build our lives. And that started at the moment of salvation. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, He started to work in me. And if you know Christ as your Savior, that's when it started in you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, then you don't have the ability to experience a walk with God. Now you say, that sounds pretty harsh. It is harsh. It is harsh. You want to know why? Because the effects of sin are harsh on us. And we needed a Savior. Because sin brought death. Sin brought spiritual death. And we need somebody to make us alive spiritually before we can enjoy a relationship with God. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth. That's why God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. That we can have eternal life through Christ. That we can be made alive where we're dead. And we need that. We need that. I don't like telling people that if they don't trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to spend eternity suffering because of their sin, in torment, in the lake of fire. I don't like telling people that, but it's the truth of the word. But a loving God says, here, I have this for you. I make an offer of salvation. And because God is good, you and I have a choice. He's a good God. He didn't make everybody robots and make everybody say, you know what, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, he says, you have a choice. 
And he gave you that choice. And he gave me that choice. And praise the Lord, many years ago, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And he's been building my life. And I've, I've enjoyed my life. It's been a wonderful life. And uh, I always say, if God takes me home tomorrow, I'm ready to go. Because I've experienced incredible things in this life. It's just been incredible life with God. And every day he has me here, there's more for me to experience. There's more for me to see, more for me to do, and more for me to see how God is going to work and build. And so it's a life of anticipation. I'm still here, Lord. You got a purpose. Let's go. So as we look at that and think about that, I want to come to the word today, and I want to focus us on what our mindset should be as a believer. What's the focus of you and me? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Last Sunday night, we looked at that in Hebrews chapter uh, um, 12, verse 2. But it says this in Philippians, and Phil read it this morning. Verse, verse 13, if you would look at that verse with me. The last one that he spoke or he shared this morning. It says, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So let me ask you, who's doing the work? Are you doing the work in you to make you more spiritual? Are you doing the work to make you more godly? Whose work is this? This is God's work. This is his doing in us. There are so many verses that teach us that. Now listen, if you're unsaved here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're starting to understand that you're a sinner, who's showing you that? The Holy Spirit is convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's God starting to work in your life. He does that. And you need to understand His working. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is what he does for the unsaved. He convinces of sin and of righteousness that the Christ is the righteous one. And you don't measure up. And he convinces the world of judgment. That we need a savior. That we are judged. That we have this condition. And I always see people that talk to me and they say, oh, you think you're better than I am. No, thank you for helping me to understand the Holy Spirit's working in your life. And they go, What? Well, you wouldn't understand that. What's happening is you're understanding that you are deficient. Who's doing that? That's the Holy Spirit's work. He's showing you that you're under the judgment of God and you need a Savior. Praise the Lord. You're starting to understand that. And now we can see Christ is the righteous one. And so you need to trust Christ as your Savior. And so it's neat when they understand the message and they see that Christ is the righteous one, that he came and he died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day, completing the payment for our sin. It's all done. There's no more to be done. So if we're working out our salvation, we got a problem trying to get saved. We don't. He's already done it all. We just simply trust and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's it. And now there's no condemnation. None. Why? Because we have the forgiveness of sins. This is God's working in us. I love this because let's take our Bibles. I'm going to spend some time in Colossians today. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to really do a Bible study this morning. We always use this verse for us as believers. Now that we're saved, we're to walk in the Spirit. 
Walk by means of the Spirit. Well, the rest of that verse says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what's the focus of that verse? Walk in the Spirit. The focus is not staying away from the flesh. The focus is walking in the Spirit. He will keep you away from the flesh. When you're not walking in the Spirit, it means you're walking in the flesh. So the focus of the believer is so important. So in Colossians chapter 1, and I'm just going to do a brief overview of chapter 1 and 2, Paul's going to talk about to the church at Colossae that here's your faith. He starts in verse 4. He says he's thankful, giving thanks always to God in verse 3. And, uh, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. That's how they got saved. Somebody shared the gospel with them. And then it goes on, which is come to you as is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it did in you, as it doth also in you. Since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. That day you got saved. That time frame when you got saved. And then he's talking about Epaphras in verse 7. Also, as also, or ye also, learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, which is for you a fellow, a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love. And then he puts that prepositional phrase in there, in the spirit. Do you know that an unsaved person can never love with God's kind of love? I don't care how kind they may be. I don't care how loving they may seem. They do not have the ability to love with God's kind of love. Why? Because this is a work, an operation of God in the life of believers. This is the Holy Spirit. This is him working through us. And that's what he's saying here. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Go on if you would. And he says in verse 9 and 10, he's talking about their, the prayers for them that they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all spiritual wisdom and, and, or, wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. Verse 11, strengthened with all might. And then verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which, all, which hath made us meet or suited to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. God made us suited for this relationship. God's given us everything we need for this relationship. God's given us everything we need for this position we now have in Christ, being passed from death unto life. God's done all this. And then he goes on and he says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So I'm not worried on that anymore because he's taken care of my sin. I still sin, but praise the Lord, confess that. We get right back in fellowship again, sweet fellowship, and we walk together again. But it's him that's done all this. Verse 15, for by him were all things created. Then the last part of the verse, all things were created by him and for him. 
Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18, he's the head of the body. He's the one that's putting this together. He's the one that's building the church. This is his work. He's the one that gives the increase. He's doing this. And then he says in the last part of that verse, seven, or verse 18, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Not me, not you. Him. This life is in Christ when I'm saved. This is my life. He is my life. He will explain that even further. But as we go on, he, he says in chapter 2, he gives five different things in chapter 2 that are detriments to this life. But I like verse 6 where he goes on and he says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive him? For by grace are ye saved through faith. I believed God. When he said that Christ died for my sins, he was buried and he rose again the third day, completing the payment. And I simply believed. So then he says, as you've received him, walk in him. How do we walk as a believer? Walk by faith, not sight. Interesting. So now we've been rooted and built up in him in verse 7 of chapter 2. Established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Here's the life of the believer. Abounding in this new life. This life that we have in Christ. Growing in that life. Growing as God works his will. That's what he's going to say in chapter 3 or 2 in verse 13 of Philippians. It's God's working in us. According to his good pleasure. It's God putting these things together. Where's the focus on this? It's on God. It's on Christ. It's him. That in all things he might have the preeminence. I love that. Because it's so easy to get caught up with. You know I need to be doing this in my life more. And focus on that. Rather than on Christ. It is God working. He's the one. Then he goes on and he says about beware of, of lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after who? Christ again. That in all things he might have the preeminence. This is all about Christ. This is all about his working, his doing, his putting things together. He's building your life. This is God's working in you. Then he says in verse 9 and 10, for in him dwelleth the fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. What else do you need? Where is he insufficient for you? Where does he not meet your needs? It's another way of looking at this. He is, you are complete. He is your all in all. He's all we need. But praise the Lord, he's, we got him. When we know Christ is our savior, I have him and I have all I need in him. Praise the Lord for that. 
Now we're talking about a position of strength. Now we're talking about a position that God has put us in where I'm, I'm strong, not in my own power, but strong in the Lord. And the power of his might and his doing and his building and his putting my life together and his making things happen. He's putting the direction and guiding my paths. He's doing it all. So it's in the power of him and he might have the preeminence in everything. And then when I'm done, when I'm living my life, when I'm done with the day, and I've walked with him throughout the day, who is it that gets the glory for that day? It's him because he put it together. He brought it together. He made it happen. Focus is on him. That's how he works. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, buried with him in baptism in chapter 2 here. Wherein also you are risen with him. Through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together with him. Made you alive in Christ. And I like that next one. Having forgiven you all trespasses. How many? I like that little boy was asked what does all mean? He said, all means all, and that's all all means. (laughs) I like that. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's what it means, all of them. Not just part of them, but all of them. He dealt with this. He's put it together. He's, He's made this for us. And that's what we have in Christ, the forgiveness of sins. All. All. I like that. I need that. I'm glad I have that. I'm glad I have that. He goes on and he brings some more things. He, he, he just shares and I, I, I like how he puts it in here because he focuses on Christ. In verse like 20 he says, Wherefore if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? In other words, living according to the law. You're not. You have the forgiveness of sins. You're not. You're a new creature. Now you need to experience all that God would have for you every day. All that Christ would have for you every day. He goes on and he's explaining this. Chapter 2 is an incredible chapter. It takes a lot of time to go through it. There's five different warnings in chapter 2 as to detriments to this relationship with Christ. Things that would point us different directions. One of them is, and I like the way he puts it in here. He says in verse 22 of chapter 2, which, are, which all are to perish at, with the using, and then after the commandments and doctrines of men... I love going to some of these conferences that I speak and lots of pastors are there and I like to ask how many doctrines and commandments of men have crept into fundamentalism today? What are they? Wow, is that ever a loaded discussion? (laughs) I remember one time I did that at a conference and it was in the morning session, the first session in the morning at 9 o'clock And, you know, at 10 o'clock, preachers stop and have donuts and coffee. And it's just normal for a conference like this, right? And then there's the younger guys that have fruit. And, uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's kind of the way it is. <laughs> but think about this for a minute. These preachers, we got into discussion at the end of that session in the last 15 minutes. They didn't stop for coffee and donuts. We went all the way into the next session. And it was just incredible how long the discussion went on. Why? Because these things are important. They're important. What is it that makes you spiritual? It's the Holy Spirit. And Him having free access and reign in your life. Is it a set of standards? No, that's the law. Are you throwing those away? No. Where is the Holy Spirit going to take you? To be godly. To be righteous. To be a servant. But it's not you doing it. It is Christ's righteousness now seen in you. It is you walking by means of the Spirit, walking by faith, trusting God to work in you and through you. Focused on Him, trusting Him to work. And He does. I was in a church not too long ago, and um, I wrote it down in my notebook because they were just using this thing of guilt. Oh, you, you know, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And who says? Who says? If it's what God says, then God will show you. And you study his word and you'll see it. Let's get into the word. Let's go to chapter 3. Paul moves from your position in Christ, who says in chapter 1, he wants us to grow into maturity. Verse 28, he said in chapter 1, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man mature, perfect in Christ Jesus. We want them to be mature. I had a pastor tell me, I need to tell my people what to do all the time. I said, why? He says, if I don't tell them what to do, they won't do it. And I said, where's the Holy Spirit in that process? Are you now the Holy Spirit for them? Are you now the spokesman from God? No, we can't be that place. We can't take that place. It is Christ who must have the preeminence. Now, can I encourage people? Yes, all the time. Can I encourage them to do right? Yes, all the time. But it is God that must work in their heart. And they must not do it because I said to do it. They better do what they do in their life because God said to do it. That's the relationship we have in Christ. That's the key. That's why when we talk about offering, give as the Lord leads you. Why? Because we believe you have a relationship with God where God tells you. Pretty simple, isn't it? That puts it on each of us to walk by means of the Spirit, to be controlled by God, to let God work in and through us, because this is God's working. 
If you're coming here and expecting to be told how to live every little detail of your life, you, you have the wrong understanding of the Christian life. This is a relationship with God. And we need to learn and we need to understand the working of the Holy Spirit and Him telling you what to do. Him leading you. Him guiding you. Him working in and through you. That is a necessity and a priority for us. So he comes through chapter 1 and 2 teaching our position, teaching who we are in Christ, teaching detriments of what would keep us from enjoying this relationship, philosophy, wrong philosophy of men, all these different types of things. He comes to chapter 3 and he says, okay, now here, let's start with the activity of you. And he has in verse 1 and 2, two verbs that are, we're very active in. This is active and some of you are going to understand this. Some of you may not in, in the Greek. Some of you have had some experience with it. We don't have this in the English language like they do in the Greek language or Spanish language. Conjugation of verbs. French has it too. Different languages have it. And uh, we don't have it. Our English language is a little dif difficult in that. So I'm going to explain some things that are in these verbs that we don't really get to see and understand the way that we can if we study it out with the Greek verb, the conjugation of that verb. In verse 1 it says, if you then be risen with Christ, or since you are in Christ, since you be risen with Christ, seek. This is present. This is right now where you live. Do this. Seek those things which are above. This is active. You and I need to be doing this. So what's the mindset? It's be constantly thinking and seeking those things that are above, not controlled by the things that are here. In other words, I don't react in the same way I'm acted upon here. I act godly. We should act godly because we have the Holy Spirit guiding us to act in Christ's kind of love. We're seeking the things that are higher, eternal, not the things that are temporal. We're not seeking the things that, you know, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. No, happiness doesn't come from money. If it did, there'd be a lot of rich people who should be a lot more happier than they are. They're not. They're playing victim. They're playing all these different games. It, it, money doesn't make you happy. Christ brings joy in our life. Christ brings peace in our life. Christ is the one that does this for you. He's the one, and in Philippians, he gets to the point of contentment in chapter 4. True contentment with God and his position and place that he's placed us in this life. Everything he has for us. I've learned. It's a growth process. It's a part of maturity, growing in Christ. I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I'm in, Paul says. So he says, seek those things above. I want what you want, God. I want what you have. I'm concerned about what you think. Because, he's going to say it in another verse, Christ is my life. Look at verse 2. He says, set your affections. Again, this is active. This is something present that we're doing. We should be doing in our life. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Oh, if I just had that nice pickup. Well, I drove mine yesterday. I took a picture of it when we got back from the hike. 
There was never a more welcome sight than that truck yesterday (laughs) at the end of a long hike. (laughs) If I just had an idea, well, mine's got 225,000 miles on it. It's got about 30 miles to go to be 226,000 miles on it. So I know it's going to talk to me one of these days and say, I'm done. You aren't taking me anymore. (laughs) Would that make me happy? No. If God wants me to have that, that's fine, but I'm going to wait. He's still got this one running. Praise the Lord. Thankful for that. Just going to keep going. I don't have to have. I don't need. I'm content. But if God leads and God shows and God directs, yeah, we'll go that way. We'll do what he wants. We'll wait and see. That's his business. Praise the Lord, he does that. So the things on this earth aren't that important as they used to be. Or as much as they were in our lives before we were saved. Now he goes on and he says this, for you are dead. Do you remember what it said earlier? About we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Well, we're alive in Christ now, right? I was dead. That was the condition. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, he puts it this way. Verse 11. Likewise, let's read verse 11 together. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that neat? Dead unto sin. I don't owe sin anything. I don't have to go there. Why? Because I am now alive in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. And this is not something that is uh, a one-time thing in the sense of it's happened and it's never going to anything benefit or anything of that. No, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. That's what I was. But now I need to reckon myself as this is my position. Me physically, me personally in my flesh is no good thing. I am dead to my flesh. I need to reckon myself dead. I don't have to sin. I don't have to let sin reign in my body. He goes on in Romans 6 to say that. That's what he's saying here. Consider yourself dead. You want to experience life? Well, that's in Christ. You want to experience death? Walk in your flesh. That's the difference. So he's saying here, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Then he says in verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with him in glory. Christ, who is our life. That phrase should be foremost in our thoughts and our mindsets. Why? Because your life is not yours anymore. You were bought with a price. Christ is your life. He is my life. As I walk with him, that's where I will experience life. He's my life. So the focus of my life 
is Christ. That's the focus of this passage. Seeking those things above. Christ, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the earth. Christ, your life's hidden him. It's hidden Christ. Now, when Christ shall appear, who is your life, you're going to appear with him in glory. Romans 8's a great passage on that to understand that concept. But then he goes on and he says, because who you are now, because of this life, he says, mortify therefore your members. This verb is in the aorist tense, which means it starts with a punctiliar time at this time, and then it moves with continued results. This is the result. My life is dead now. The old life, the flesh. I don't owe it anything now. I can live in Christ. So put to death, mortify. That, when did that happen? When did I pass from death unto life? At salvation. Now I can experience this life. The aorist tense means it's punctiliar. It happened there. But now I experience the results of it continually. I am in Christ. I don't owe my flesh anything. It, it's dead. I need to consider it that way. I need to reckon it that way. Like it said in Romans 6. I need to look at myself as God looks at me. I am not me. I'm a new creature in Christ. A new creation that he made. Now I can experience the life that is in Christ. So therefore, at the moment of my salvation, this is dead. It's dead. And I need to think this way. This is my mindset. I don't have to be controlled by my flesh. I don't have to let habitual sin control me. I don't have to let anger control me. I don't have to let... Why? Because I am dead. I don't have to do that. In Christ, I can experience that victory. As I walk in Christ. As I walk in Him. That's what this passage is going to teach us. Let's go through the passage. This, that was punctiliar. That's happened at the moment of salvation. And we continue to live in that. So he says, this is what it was. This is what your flesh looked like. Then he goes to verse 8. And he says, but now ye also put off. And this is aorist. Which means it's punctiliar. It happened here. The old man. When did the old man get put to death? When did that happen? When was that sin taken care of? When were you now a new creature? The day you were saved. So that happened then. And now we can experience this results of this. Now if I walk in my flesh, these things could be a part of my life. Look what it says. Put off also in verse 8. These, anger, wrath, malice, Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. Here's your mindset. That's already gone. I don't have to be controlled by these things. In Christ, I'm a new creature. I can now experience the life that is in Christ. These things have no control over me. If I walk in the Spirit, I'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The focus is walking in Christ, walking in him, him working in me. Let's go on. He says, I like this because the way he put it, he, he's giving us the mindset that we need to understand. Seeing that you have put, in verse 9, put off the old man with his deeds. 
that's not me anymore. I am now in Christ, a new creature. Christ is my life. I now have the righteousness of Christ to my account. I am now able to experience life and life more abundant in Christ. He wants me to see who I am. So these things don't have to control me anymore. So then he goes on to the next verse and have put on the new man. When did that happen? The day I was saved. The day I trusted Christ as my savior. And this again is in the heiress, punctiliar. It happened at that moment and I live in the results. Here's my life. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'll never be what I was before. This is the new me. This is who I am. And then he goes on and he says this, which is renewed after the knowledge of Uh, renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Who created me a new creature? A new man. Who did this for me? God did. Christ did. So now I'm a new creature in Christ, a new creation, aren't I? So now I can walk with God and experience this life that God has. Then he goes on and he puts it this way. It's focusing us again on the mindset, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Focusing back on Christ. But in verse 11, he ends that passage. There's no difference between all these people. And he ends verse 11 with, but Christ is all and in all. There's the preeminence. There's the focus of the believer. Then he says in verse 12, put on, and this is middle or passive even in the verb. Which means that's not a focus that we should have as putting on. The focus we should have is just Christ. Walking in Christ. I can guarantee you this. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to sin. And if you are walking controlled by the Spirit, you will not sin. Will you? You won't. It's when we allow our flesh to take over, isn't it? We don't experience it the way God intends. And he puts it this way. Here's the description. He puts all these things in there. But then he comes down to, and I'm going to run because of time, verse 15. Here's our present active. Here's my life now. Here's who I should be. Here's what should happen in my life. And he goes through a list of some active things for us to be mindful of. It says, let the peace of God rule your hearts. You let God's peace rule you. That's strong. That's what he's saying. Let the peace that comes from Christ. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, but my peace. What is Philippians 4? Peace that passes all understanding. I mean, this is the peace that should be ruling you and me and our hearts. The only place this peace comes from is from living by faith. Faith that God will do his work. Believing God to change you. Believing God to mold you. To believing God will guide you. 
But if you're focused on, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to make all these things happen in my life, otherwise I'm not a good Christian, you have the wrong focus. The focus must be on Christ. Because if the focus is on the things, I've got to do this and I've got to do that, I've got to make this happen, then your focus is not on Christ. And the peace of God does not rule your life. Because you're already feeling guilty because I'm not what I should be, quote unquote. I'm not where I should be. Are any of us perfect yet? No. Is God growing us? Yes. Are we growing toward maturity and even mature in Christ? Yes. Because that's where God will lead us. And then when you go back and read these lists in verses 8 through, through 10 about the old man or verse, verse uh, 12 and four, through 14 on the new man, these are the evidences of God working in your life. This is what you will see. You will see somebody who's loving. You'll see somebody who's kind. You'll see somebody who's patient. When do we not become patient? It's when my flesh takes over. When do I become angry? Because somebody didn't perform the way I thought they should. When I want something. It didn't happen the way I wanted it. But when Christ is in control and he's putting these things together, then I don't find anger in my life. I can be kind even though somebody was unkind to me. I can be caring even though somebody was uncaring towards me. You see, the difference in our focus is in Christ. And I'm going to let God work in this situation. I can either react ungodly or I can let God work and he will lead me godly. Lord, work that's why this phrase has become so important to me over the years. You and me, God, let's go. Because that's all I need. But I have him. And the peace of God rules your heart. If you don't find peace in a heart, then there's not, that's not, they're not walking with God the way they intends. Something's wrong. Because this is what the believer should be doing. Let God work. And he will. And he does. And that's the life which comes by faith. It comes by faith. There's a lack of peace. Then there's a lack of letting God work. Somehow we've taken the work on ourselves. That's not the way God intends it to happen. This is God's work in us. This is God's doing. I'm going to stop here, but just give you the next two. Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Where's the Holy Spirit going to lead you? According to the word. This is active. This means we're students. We study together. We grow together. We study the word of God. You study it personally in your own time. And we just continue to do that. Pastors always said, doctrine's important. I agree with that 100%. Doctrine is important. It's the teachings of the word of God. Teachings of God to us. He'll never lead us contrary to his word. Never. He will never lead us to sin. 
He will never lead us to go experience the old man. Where's our confidence? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And you'll recognize it. If I see these things in verse 8, wrath, anger, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, lies, other things that are listed in other passages, if I see those in my life, that means God's not working there. That's me. That's evidence of where I'm walking. But if I see this in my life, mercy, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, for forgiving one another, and God's kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a great chapter. The character of his love. Those are evidences of the Holy Spirit working in me and working through me. To the glory of God, not me. It's not us that makes this happen. It's Christ living through us. It's the Holy Spirit. And when we look at it and understand it with this mindset, then who gets the glory for who we are? He does. Who builds your life? He does. Who changes us? He does. That in all things, he might have the preeminence. That in all things, he might have first place. That in all things, he might be glorified. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, glorify him. That's where the Holy Spirit's going to take us as we walk with God. And then verse 17, again active, Continual in our life. Whatsoever you do, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. This is God doing it in us and through us. Do it all in His name. Can you really say to me that God wants me to be angry? I don't think so. But does He want you to be loving? Yes. So if you're doing it in His name, where are you going to go? Where's your focus? Who's doing it in you and through you? It's the Holy Spirit. He's the focus. It's God. He's the focus. Christ is the focus of our life. Set your affections above. Seek those things above. Christ who is our life. He's going to build us rightly. There's nothing more than you can have that is so great in your life than that intimate, personal Walk with God where you know him working in you and through you for his glory. Nothing better in this life. I hope this has pointed you to Christ, to walking with him by means of the Spirit, letting, giving him control. I don't want me. I want you, Lord. I'm focused on you. Lord, what are you doing now, right now? I don't know what the Lord's doing, but I know my God. He's going to work in me and through me. Let's go. <laughs> Focused on Him. That's life. That's the life of the believer. When you see these characteristics of the flesh coming up, you're not walking in the Spirit. Stop. Go back. Walk with the Lord.
Get back there. That intimate, personal walk with the Savior. That's the key. He knows how to build you. You will be godly. You will be Christ-like. Because that's where the Holy Spirit's going to take you. I hope and pray this gets our focus back off of ourselves, us making it happen, others depending on others to make it happen, to simply walking with our God and letting God work in us and through us for His glory. That's the way He works. That's what Scripture teaches us. I hope this has been beneficial in your life today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can't experience this. I'm sorry. But that's just the way it is. But we would love to share with you how you can know Christ as your Savior, how you can have this relationship with God too. But if you are a Christian, where's your focus been? Is it on you? Is it on your work? Is it on the things happening in your life? Or is it on Christ and Him working in you and through you for His glory?